Gays Like These, a tale of two gays in their 30s talking about life so far and what could be yet to come. Hello and welcome to Gays Like These, a tale of two gays in their 30s talking about what life was and what is yet to be. <laughs> talking about life so far. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The new podcast where we're going to talk about just being a bye <laughs> life in general. And today we're harking back to our university days, which is when we met in our relevant years of 2007 to nine. So, what look are you going for today, Levi? Well, today, as you know, babe. Back in 2006, when our little university careers were first beginners, it was all about a t-shirt and a waistcoat. Think Usher in a year, year, year video and what Fergie Ferg was doing on the Black Eyed Peas. So this little outfit is homage to all of the, uh, all of the late greats, well, their careers anyway, of the 2006 era, babe. I'm getting more of a discounted Chris Crocker kind of look for you. But... It's blonde hair, isn't it? <laughs> Why you got to be such a bitch, babe? I haven't even got no eyeliner on. <laughs> what about you? Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing, babe? I am giving student realness. I have a red beanie and I haven't shaved, so I've got a bit of a beard going on and a denim shirt. Although the denim shirt came back a bit later, like... 2009-2010, but I just thought I'd wear it. And it's from Levi, Levi. Oh, bye. Bark at me all over your body. I don't think neither of us want that. No, bye. So how long have we known each other? Well, I believe the year was 2008, 2007, maybe? Roughly. I know it was second year it was second second year second year so you were living with two of the lads i used to live with in alls and i was living in the house that you would then live in the next year it's funny old world how that works out in it babe. first of all let me just pour a i'm gonna pour a drink and our splash that we're drinking is gonna be a snake bite are you having snake bite and black I'm having snake bite and black bite. What else is there? I'm having snake bite because I don't really want black currant. But I've got a dark fruit cider, so I'm trying to get as close to it as possible. So as I open these, I will discuss my recollection of when we met. So it was the year 2007, by and I was living in my first student house. For anyone who's not been a fresher yet or they're, they're about to embark on such lifestyles, then you are in halls or a dorm for the first year and then you move into a house with chosen friends from your course or whatever it might be and you, you rent, it's a bit of independence. So I was already doing that. And I don't really know if you remember the name at All Street, I think it was. And it was kind of around the corner from where you lived with uh, one of our other friends. 
So our friend lived around the corner from us. You must have met him. I think I don't think I knew where you lived actually at the time, but I think you must have met him to come round. No, I met you at his house, right? I don't know. Yeah. But I definitely because we there. were going out. Yeah. Um. But so that's that's probably like two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, probably more two thousand and eight, because we're at the end of the second year. Yeah. So I'd say two thousand and eight. So it's like thirteen years. Um. This year. Congratulations to you. So. Let's just talk about our first experiences of university in general, and then we'll catch up with the whole thing later on. So I missed freshers. So do you want to talk about freshers? I hope you've given it too much, Ed. <laughs> it's not looking how I remember. Oh. Oh, but it tastes exactly the same. <laughs> Oh dear God. So yeah, talk about Freshers Week in 2006. Yeah. 2006 by October 2006. Well, Freshers Week. I don't really remember much about Freshers Week because <laughs> I spent too much of it being wankered. But what I do remember is the first night of moving into halls, they split everyone up over the course of a weekend so it's going to be from a to m on saturday and then it was from n to z on the sunday so everyone that came in on the saturday you know you get talking because you're an open book you're like oh look at me i'm an adult now i've got my own pad and everything i can rule the world hey <laughs> eh? try to bag some trade <laughs> oh babe you lived with who i used to live with and the rest of them weren't none just just <laughs> no but yes yeah, so you get talking to everyone that you're obviously going to live with you kind of force those friendships because you're like oh yeah yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm great you want to be my mate mate come on let's get down with it come with my <laughs> i always remember so as we were there on the saturday night we decided to go out into into the city because we thought oh god no city let's go let's go see what the uh let's go see what the locals are like so you go into all these new places and obviously because it's a nice big little hodgepodge of accents and people here from here there and everywhere in the midlands they obviously don't really know what's going on in the outside world so there i am walking around going hello 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 <laughs> One bird, this great big chunk of a bird, you ain't never seen nothing like it. She comes up to me with the broadest Derby accent, babe, and she goes, Where are you from? You're from Essex. <laughs> Portsmouth. She's like, Where's Portsmouth? Like, coast. Never heard of it. Where, what, where would I know it from? Like, you ever heard of Southampton? Yeah. Me there. Uh, yeah, that's my first experience of obviously being a fresher, but tell you a lie, freshers week, what they did is they wrangled everyone in, in the student bar. Do you remember they used to have a student bar on site five? Oh God, yes. So they, they wrangled us all up there. And I think they had some second years who are acting as our little chaperones, you know, make sure that none of the sheep get lost. 
or, you know, get murdered, whatever the story is. <laughs> and I think they were doing a welcome party somewhere. I'm not sure if it was the Barsity, or if it was the walkabout, or if it was the Friary, somewhere. Mm. And we all walked down the main road, you know, you talked to new road, old road, you talked to road, whichever one it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all walked down the road, two bars two, you know, like what they do when you're in play school and you go hold someone's hand in your Ibiz jacket, sort of like that, but about the Ibiz. <laughs> and they'd uh, they went we all went on a little bar crawl I remember and I think we were doing that for about two hours getting to know everyone from all of the other blocks and then after that we obviously all went out on our little separate ways so some people went to obviously the hip-hop places some people went to the commercial dance places some people went to the bars some people went to the chip shop and uh Where did yeah you go? needless to say the next <laughs> oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what i do remember is i think i'd been to city pizza our little favorite place where mm. it was two pizzas buy one get one free i was walking down the road on my own trying to put on this really bad derby accent thinking oh my god this is how i've got to talk now <laughs> oh what am I gonna do <laughs> and I was just sat there chugging back pizza on the mile and a half walk that it was back to Moore's vibe um I missed all of that yeah you decided to be miserable and stay at home well being from Leicester I thought going to Derby University would be an easy option I thought I'd just stay at home I can commute and it proved to be absolutely tiring I had to get up at 5am to be in my first lecture starting at nine o'clock to be on time for that. And it was just literally from 5am to 9am non-stop getting ready. And literally I didn't have any time to stop and have a coffee. I had to go somewhere and grab a coffee. Then it was on the move again. And then I get there at 9am by the weekend. I was absolutely knackered. And I remember my, one of my friends from, um, my course he said why don't you just move into halls why don't you move into halls and I thought okay okay well I'll think about it you know um I'm quite happy with what I'm doing and because I had a job a part-time job and I didn't want to just come to Derby and not have a job so my friend he was saying it was like the first friend I made at university and he just, are you talking about that cheeky chappy I am talking about the cheeky chappy for um, a chappy from Lincolnshire <laughs> <laughs> and he he said come back to us for a few beers and I went back to the halls of residence which I well I'll get to it and um I I just kept thinking about the time I thought I can't stay too long because if I have a drink I'll have another and another and another I want to make sure I get home on time so I can go to sleep and relax and be up ready to go to work the next morning and this is pretty much how it was for we started in the September all the way through until the Christmas break, really. And we had a whole month off for Christmas. So that was all right. But I thought, I can't go back to this rush, 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 rush. So I did move into halls in the January of 2007. And it was nice because throughout those first few months, I was... I was feeling a little bit of FOMO hearing people talking about Freshers Week, birthdays, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I thought, okay, I'm missing out on all this. I'm making friends, but I'm missing out on them actually socialising. 
I took the plunge, moved into the same halls of residence as you, and didn't really look back, I suppose. I've <laughs> not moved back to Leicester since, but I missed all of the freshers. But there was a lot of the student nights, which I didn't really get involved in because I thought, okay, I'm here. And when I got there, there was just something about the halls of residence that's a bit grimy. It's part of the experience, though. It's, it's part of the experience, but, you know, the kitchen... I can't remember now, somebody burnt something in the kitchen and I moved in and I did, no one had cleaned it up. And I just thought, oh, and my, I think my dad had said to me, he's like, are you really sure about moving in here? I said, well, I'm gonna have to now, I've paid. So um, I didn't go to the kitchen. I tried not to go into any of the communal areas. I was so shy and so anxious about any kind of confrontation with anybody because of how I'd seen the setup of the kitchen and the smell of weed coming from the corridor. And I thought, what am I getting myself into? Who are these people? And my friend on my course lived opposite my room. And he was all the time like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. We can do this, we can do this. And, um, and I felt a little bit more at ease, but eventually I got into it. How, how do you remember the rooms? It was basically a small <laughs> breeze block corridor with a little bed. So you had your little single beds, those old style ones from the 90s with those really sprung mattresses that would dig into you at night. That horrible kind of LSD trip sort of cover all over it. That mixture of that really like deep green and blue and a bit of like burgundy red thrown in there for no good reason. <laughs> you then had your little wardrobe where obviously you come to university, so you literally pack up everything that you've ever owned. Even, you know, that one thing, that one tag from that one top that you bought when you were 13, but for some reason you've still got it. So you chuck that in there and all. And in this tiny little wardrobe, you just chucked it all in. Chuck it all into the wardrobe, chuck it underneath the bed, chuck it underneath the desk until you ain't got no room left. And, was... and then there was the little desk area and the little sink that all the blokes used to piss in. <laughs> yeah. How do you remember your room, Gareth? As you explain it, it's just I can see it right now. Stand, it's I can almost smell it. And drinking this gorgeous snake bite, which is just full of nostalgic regret, um, I can just see it. I feel as if I'm standing in there. But... Um, no, we walked in. I remember there was something. It's like everything that you just said. There was like really bad art text walls, which were like a mint mm -hmm. green. This big brown door which slammed shut with like a Yale lock on it. So God forbid if you didn't take your key to the toilet with you. I remember seeing the the burgundy carpet, the bad art text wall, which was all the way around. There was nothing warm about it, but it was always boiling in there. And I can't remember if the single bed, the mattress, matched the curtain of the wardrobe. There was something strange. The like mattress. That. The mattress matched the bed in. The bed in matched the curtain. The curtain <laughs> for the cupboards. And then the cupboard curtain matched the curtain curtain. So you That was it. No, I didn't have to get a key, I don't think. I climbed in through the window. Because I was on the ground. But you're on the first floor. Yeah, the ground floor. I was on the ground floor. Yes, that was it. God. 
So I remember thinking, shit, if I hadn't have realized climbing through the window, somebody else could have climbed in there without realizing. And like, you know, without realizing that I'd locked myself out and they could have just took anything. Although I didn't really have a lot when I first started. I just had this basic laptop. Oh, what the 300 quid ones that you'd buy from Curry's just good like, oh, I'm going to university. I'm going to need something. Yeah. So what were some of the nights out like then? Let's relive some of that because I didn't get to see that. So just for my FOMO sake, describe some of the nights out in good old Derby for Fresh and Sweet. Well, you forget, babe, because obviously you stayed all miserable and alone, locked up in your little tower for most of your first year. So you didn't actually do any of the societies or any of the uh, any of the extra stuff. Mm. So for me, we, well, I joined the cheerleading squad because, you know, I just needed to be centre of attention at the age of 18. <laughs> and uh, I always remember on the initiation night, we had to dress up as cartoon characters. So I dressed up as Shaggy Doo. I wore, <laughs> I wore this green caps Shaggy Doo. You mean Shaggy from Scooby Doo? Shaggy Doo, babe. Because yeah. <laughs> she do need a Shaggy. But <laughs> yeah, obviously. You get all excited at the fact that you've got a student loan and that you're no longer living off your, your part-time wage or your parents' money. So first week, you go absolutely fucking bonkers in the, bucket, in the, uh, in the local shops. Add this little cap sleeve green T-shirt from Top Man. Mm. I had a pair of boot-cut brown cords. Oh, beautiful. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, just I think it was just some converse. And we started the night in the varsity because each of the bars would normally sponsor some of the um, some of the initiations for each of the teams. Yeah. So we started in the varsity. We went up to walkabout, and then I think we finished in the friary, which was obviously like the little. It, it painted itself as something different every day of the week, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah. in the varsity, we had the. It wasn't varsity. It was barracuda. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Was that back in one? Yeah, they changed all their venues, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. But it was it started in the Barracuda, and we had the upstairs reserved where we were all doing really bad karaoke. And this was back in a time, so this was pre-2008 credit crash, whatever it was, stock market crash. So you could go out, that's the one. So you could go out with about what, 15 quid and for that 15 quid you could buy yourself 15 individual drinks irrelevant as to whether or not it was student prices you'd go up to the bar you'd get a pint of snake bite or you'd get a vk a wkd or one of the cheaper versions that uh, after every time you drunk you'd be like ah, mm. my teeth are fuzzy mm. and yeah so we went from doing the karaoke and then we all did i think it was what they call a boat race where everyone sits down, one, be one behind each other. You've got two teams, and then you've got to basically drink yourself. You've got to finish this pint. Then the next person finishes, the next person finishes, and the last person who, or the first person at the end of each team who finishes, then that team's the winner. Yeah. And then 
I think we also ended up going into the revolution and doing the vodka limbo. And then, yeah, end of the night, I think we then joined up with the American football team and then ended up in the friary where obviously either people were pairing up or, you know, Sharon had gone home because she'd puked up in the bog somewhere or, I don't know, Emily had uh, Emily had to get into a taxi or she'd fallen asleep in the chip shop or something like that. But most of the student nights were during the week time and the bars didn't get any of their, uh, didn't get any trade. So they drop all the prices of their drinks down to a pound each and then you just go out and get shit faced off a fiver. Wow. I wonder if they're still that cheap. I mean, obviously, no, at the moment of recording this, we're during the lockdown, but um, I wonder if they're still, well, they won't be that price when they open up after this, but I wonder if over the last couple of years then, let's say, if they've been a similar kind of price at one pound or one pound fifty, I do remember the double vodka in and en- all that double vodka and energy drink nights, where it was like two pound fifty for double vodka and an energy drink. I remember hearing about phone parties and that such like, you know. And then when I arrived, I didn't really socialise outside of the halls of residence. I do remember going to one huge place that is now closed down there Zanzibar I think it was called the one with three different rooms you had the downstairs which was cheese the middle room which was R&B and the upstairs which was drum and bass I don't know it was something very hard on the the top floor it was like either dance (laughs) and Facebook song I'm going to fuck your mother (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that what they actually say no, it's something about shanking you in the eye or something oh. I don't know <laughs> um, but yeah I didn't really go to you're the- a cunt <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's like um, oh, you blocked me on Facebook now you must die right that's the one god <laughs> that was the trend at the time that was like the latest that was like the TikTok at the time um yeah where well you basically had to dance around like you're on ecstasy i don't know i don't i just remember walking around because i thought i'm gonna go and look at some of these rooms everybody's busy dancing so i did i went to have a look around i, I thought okay well this place is nice in terms of size and everything but yeah other than that i didn't really go to many places and then i went to Sin. I was supposed to go when it was still blue bamboo, but that's the one where you'd uh, you'd go and get your jelly card. And I never actually got to go because obviously I thought I'll just say I'll join you later, and I'm not going to go, and I didn't. All right. Well, why don't you tell that lovely story that you told me when we lived together about when you and our former hippopotamus of our housemate <laughs> saw me when you were in halls walking down that little road to the bus stop what was your first impression of me mine yeah because i always remember this this <laughs> was before we started talking this was before we started talking and you always told me that you and her would be like oh look at that one. Oh, she <laughs> thinks she's something <laughs> tell the story from your perspective i Gary. don't remember you told me that I was walking down that road and I think it was probably back in the day where I was wearing that skin-tight pink, like, electric 
pink top, that V-neck t-shirt with my grey skinny jeans that I got from Topshop. Oh I thought God. I was so trendy. I remember those, yeah. And you, you said to this person in in a in question, <laughs> "Oh, look at him mincing around." No, I think He's not that... afraid to let you know, is he? <laughs> no, it was. If I remember correctly, I'm not 100 percent certain. So if any of this doesn't ring the bell, then it's probably not true. But uh, no, me and this girl who she was also on the same course as me. And I think we're on the bus or we're at the bus stop and we saw you galloping up towards the bus stop. And then when you stopped there, I think either I said or she said, can his jeans get any tighter or something? And then I think it was probably me like, oh, my God, his jeans are really tight. And then she was like, oh, yeah, she's that's um, Levi. She said he's like ridiculously gay or something like that. But she laughed. She didn't mean she meant it like nicely. She didn't mean it horribly, but because um, that's the thing everybody used to say if you ever came up in conversation because the thing is we weren't necessarily like friends friends we weren't really friends we didn't really, we were aware of each other's existence and we always had like we were a friend we, of, we had we had mutual friends yeah but, we were a friend of a friend but, like quite a lot of people actually as well if that makes sense yeah so you were friends with yeah, yeah. probably like five people that I was friends with roughly five and um, so we knew of each other in a way, but we, I don't know if we knew each other's names or anything, but I remember my first friend, which isn't the girl, but friend one, we'll call him, and the cheeky chappy, he... Uh, the cheeky chappy! He, uh, he was like, oh, that's Levi. I'm no Gallagher! <laughs> he was like, oh, that's Levi. He was like, oh, he's, he's, so, he's so gay, so fucking gay. Like, like that, as a joke, and then he'd start laughing, and then he would try and redeem it a little bit later by saying, oh, yeah, this sounds... Uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'm, I don't know him, so you don't have to say it or redeem yourself because I have no opinion. <laughs> but um, Yeah, but Pai, back in your day, you would have been like, I don't know him, it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> you, you, were, you were so busy in first year trying to be the recluse. I don't need any friends. I've got one friend. That's all I need. I wasn't trying to be. I actually, and I still am a little bit like this. I'd gone through school and college just being like, I got friends. I wasn't necessarily popular. I wasn't unpopular. I didn't really fit into a group. It was just uh, there, you know. And um, of course, there were some comments made like, oh, yeah, is it true you like boys? I remember there was one guy that came up to me that was like, oh, I hear you like boys. Well, I'm interested because I'm not, I'm not bothered. I was like, oh, am I wasting my time? And I said, yeah. And he's like, am I though? I was like, yes, you are. And um, it, it kept denial by absolute denial. Oh no, even to this day, like I'm sure if I saw him on the street, he'd probably still be wasting his time if he was to ask that question. <laughs> Turns out that since school, is actually a friend Dorothy's and I found that that's happened quite a lot with people but at the time I didn't know it so I was kind of scared on talking to people mainly because of that reason and then there, I remember there was a guy and a girl that stopped me outside school on my way home and they literally came face to face with me quite close and they were like what's the time no expression on their face just like what's the time I knew what they were trying to do my voice hadn't broken yet so I just shrugged and carried on walking and they'd be like, no, what's the time though? 
my friend eventually, it happened quite a lot, my friend, he started sticking up for me, uh, my old school friend, and he was like, if you've got, you've got a watch, why don't you just look at your watch? And they did that a lot. It was always after school, never at school. After school on the way home, they would always do it. Him, this guy, or this girl would either one or the other. And they'd be like, why don't you just turn up the time? Yeah, they, they went really, really, really hard. And I didn't really think too much of it. But then after secondary school, another friend told me, who was friends with them, she said that, uh, oh, you know, well, he's, 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 he's roaring gay, and blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, okay. And then eventually I was like, I don't even know who these people are. And they're like, well, you, they know you. I was like, well, how do they know me? I've never met them. And then when she described them to me, I was like, ah. And I explained it to her. I was like, it's really strange how these people have been like that. And both of them are now, he, he's gay and she is um, also gay. So it's strange. I don't know where the confusion came in. If the confusion came in then and they needed to unleash that negativity that they had towards themselves on me or whatever. But because of that, but those two particular moments, I'd sort of started to step back from being uh, forthright or whatever you want to call it, you know, like talking to people, making friends. I just thought, okay, well, I don't need to. I've got people who will be my friend and that will be it. And then, so when I went to university, well, college actually, college, I kind of got cast aside because people thought I was and they kept making comments, just little comments here and there. And I, at the time I was just like, well, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. You know, I'd had moments with people um, of, <laughs> of, the, of the female kind, you know, I'd not really had like a proper relationship with any, but I'd had, you know, situations, liaisons, some activity. You've had moments with ladies, babe, and it's been the quickest you've ever fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that aside, what I want to know, as somebody who lived near to the university that mm. we obviously both went to, how did you find, from a social perspective, but more from a cultural perspective, like what was your what was your main reasoning for choosing the university in the county over from where it was that you were brought up as opposed to deciding to go anywhere else and whether or not you found that there was more of a a difference in the people and you know the mentality of the people of that location as opposed to as opposed to home well <laughs> <laughs> so you you're asking me why I went there instead of somewhere else basically. <laughs> yeah, and what it's like what it's like being so close to home but obviously not in the, not in the same city. Well, when I went to college, I went to sort of like a um the a big town within where I'm from, which is Leicester or Leicestershire, however you want to look at it. And I and I felt I felt freer because I was doing something I I liked. I was doing a, a, a music course that I enjoyed and I was meeting new people. And I did meet some new people that were like, I could probably still sit down and have a chat with as if no time has gone past. You know, I felt this freedom meeting like-minded people and making friends based on a mutual interest instead of making friends because you have to or not liking somebody because of something petty. There didn't seem to be any pettiness apart from when there was these little comments throughout about me being, 
gay or whatever they said. So I think when it was university, I got an offer from Huddersfield, but I didn't go purposely because the, the people I'd mentioned who made some comments or that were linked to those people, friends with those people at college, I knew that there was quite a few people going to Huddersfield from that group. And they weren't enemies or anything, but I just thought, you know what I mean? I don't want to go to this university and there's probably like five people doing the same course as me. And I don't want to have to, there'd be an awkwardness to feel like we have to be friends or we're definitely not going to be friends and it's all awkward either way. So I wanted to go somewhere where I knew nobody was going. But at the same time, I did try and apply for a London um, Institute, but I can't remember if I heard anything back or if it was just a firm, no, I can't remember now. But anyway, it didn't happen. So... Derby felt to me like the the better option because of one it being close enough for me to commute I thought I'm going to save some money I'm going to have my student loan I'm going to just stay at home no no bills apart from what I had to contribute and I've got my part-time job that worked but from a social aspect which is mainly what you're asking I felt felt that um, it's going to be a broader group of people none of which I know There wasn't anything that thought they actually knew something about me to start going one way or the other. Everybody you could meet, you could have a conversation with and make a decision purely based on how you uh, blend with them. So that's, it's partly why I did it, but it was definitely the confirmation of why I did it, if that makes sense. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Why, Why did you, I know you explained a bit earlier, but why Derby? Why not pick Manchester or... Oh, Huddersfield. <laughs> yes, because of Huddersfield. Everything goes up in Huddersfield. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it was mainly because uh, I came out in school and that was a right old shit show back then. So part of that little experience was basically coming to university. I just kind of wanted to be as far away as possible from anyone or anything that would have known me from down here. So a little similar to how you've just explained it how obviously like you say you've got these people from school and all this bollocks but it was mainly I thought to myself you know what I've lived on the south coast for all of my life that I've been in England so I need a change of scenery and for me that was traveling the 200 miles up up to the midlands (laughs) at north as we would have said down here to uh, you know really become anonymous again and kind of create create the person that I knew I was as opposed to the person that people thought I was so yeah. to an aspect it was a little bit of kind of not necessarily running away but it was getting far away enough that you can just kind of grow into your own person yeah, and yeah, yeah. for me you know having lived on the south coast all my life I always had this kind of fascination with a northern accent because you come you come down here, everyone sounds the same. You know, you might get somebody that sounds a bit like me. You might get somebody that sounds a little bit like this. But, you know, on the broad spectrum, everybody's, everybody's going to the bathroom to go have a piece. And no. it wasn't really what I was after. So I decided to uh, kind of transplant myself somewhere else where I knew that there'd be a regional dialect. That I could be like, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, here oh that's nice there's also that ability to like I say kind of let go of all your past trauma caused by you know bullying social stigma whatever whatever it was all those things that you hold on to mm. in that place that you've grown up and really kind of develop into your own person 
there's always two or six degrees however many fucking places there are in between mm. but I remember when I was uh, going to the first house that I was going to live in after halls the boyfriend of one of the girls that lived there me and him got talking and he was like oh you're from Portsmouth like, yeah I'm from Portsmouth Port, Port Vale. but how it's like how do you know person x I was like he's my ex-boyfriend how do you know him? It's like he used to be my head boy at school. Yeah, he did. Oh. <laughs> Here I am thinking I've, I've, I've flourished into this brand new person and there's somebody that knows somebody that I know. And I'm just like, who oh, were? Oh, <laughs> That's bum. <laughs> <laughs> no, <babe. laughs> Well, actually, spinning it round on Let's Bum, <laughs> how did you find your new sense of freedom having been in a new city with a steady income of the of the grand old amount of the student loan how how did that affect you and your ability to uh to be self-sufficient and you know you've 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 brought the conversation onto girls you know what was it like for you having that freedom of being able to go out pick someone up and obviously get down with the dirty in that first six months of you being in halls um I don't think the down and the dirty was connected to it. <laughs> I was trying to be very careful with my money, which I wasn't. I thought, okay, I need to save as much as possible. I need to be careful with what I spend. And then I just didn't do any proper food shopping. I just went to that little, do you remember that little shop nearby, which had the Glaswegian lady in? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you just knew that she was probably, I don't know, selling something she shouldn't under that counter. But um, she sounded like she smoked 60 a day and she had the broadest Glaswegian accent that you'd ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, heart of gold. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> but she would always, I can't even remember what she used to call me, but there was always some kind of term of endearment afterwards. I don't know if it was like babe or love or darling or something. There was always something at the end. And I always felt like a softness from her, even though she looked hard as nails. And it looked like Pat Butcher with a crop. She looked like the other one. What's that other one? Shirley. The one with the short, spiky hair with the really harsh um, face. So I shopped there and then I thought to myself, actually, you know what? Spending like £2, probably fifty nine sixty nine on something that I can stick in the freezer might be convenient and last. But my money is just disappearing because I see something, buy it, stick it in the freezer. And whether or not I eat it fast or slow or whatever. I thought I'm still spending stupid amounts of money on things that I could be buying cheaper. So I didn't have the clearest outlook on it because of course you've got all this money that's com that comes in and it, when you're that age, you think, oh great, okay, I've got some money. You've not worked for it. It's a, a lump of cash in your account. And then, yeah, there was no job at that point. I think I went, I can't remember now. I went back occasionally to work like in holidays and stuff it felt like I was being given this free life and of course I wasn't because your student loan isn't that much and it's not really um and it goes really quickly so it did I had to learn it took a few years for it to actually sink in I think until I got like my first job there or what about you because you were younger than me well yeah because you joined university at 20 didn't you we 19 yeah I was 20. Yeah, well, I know for me, coming into the big wide world, thinking you're an adult at 18, because obviously 
you go through school you then go to college and during college you find your you you find your little click but then obviously you've just transplanted yourself somewhere else in the in the universe mm. so you then have to kind of start again but for me because I lived with my with my dad up until that age and then obviously being independent even though it was basically in a hamster cage along with everyone else that was around my sort of age group I always found that having having that freedom because obviously although you should have been attending your courses and you should have been doing the coursework and you know the whole reason that you're there for you either you either fall into one of two categories you either become the person that's so devout to their course because you're looking at it from from obviously from the future perspective or you do what I did and you're just like oh money in my account that's nice mm. so you you'll go out on a Sunday when you've got a 9am lecture the next morning and you're just like sorry I can miss this one I'll just go I'll just go next week I'll, I'll look up the notes online but, uh, doing all the online stuff didn't they mm-hmm. yeah. but I always found that because you you kind of you don't get overwhelmed, but you do, you kind of get a little overexcited at the fact that you're, you're suddenly on your own. Mm. So you've got all these little groups of friends, or you might just have one core group of friends, you know, depending on how it is that you are. But I always found on a Sunday night, I'd be going down to Curzons, yeah. which on a Sunday, you'd get pretty much all of the dregs. So, you know, it might be <laughs> person person x or person z down there and sometimes i just go on my own because it was just like well i ain't got no one else to go with so i'll just go down there have a couple of drinks get a little loose probably to talk to someone That's and then great use of work. yes <laughs> <laughs> and then you and then you bring someone back because like, oh i've got a place down the road and they're like oh where is that like <laughs> you know the owls it's only in there isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there was um in terms of that sense of uh, of sexual freedom there was definitely a few mm. to put it loosely uh which obviously came back because i don't know about your building but in my building the fucking walls were <laughs> you couldn't hear nothing through those walls yeah you'd you'd bring someone home you might be a little worse for wear but you get down to it and then obviously you kick them out the next morning you ain't got going nowhere you just sit there and rot in bed till till the, till the next evening when you're ready to go out again uh... but having <laughs> having said that i do remember the first std that i picked up from a living that lifestyle yes because <laughs> i remember feeling oh something's a bit itchy what's going on and i remember <laughs> i remember i was in I was in that little cubicle shower, that little concrete shower thing that they had in the halls, because yeah. some of some of the blocks didn't have hot water properly. So you'd end up like having to have a cold shower. Remember, obviously, taking a look, I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and you start you start picking at it. Oh. And you look at it like, I'm giving me fucking crabs. <laughs> And I remember looking up online going, oh, how do I get rid of them? How do I get rid of them? How do I get rid of them? And it was like, go to your local chemist and pick up whatever the fuck it was. Buy a back, of I think it was called. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for best results, shave everything. So you shaved everything, <laughs> you boil wash the sheet, you slap this cream on it, and then, you know, you just, you just rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat till the itching goes away. Oh. And, oh, I remember that. It was traumatising. And did it go away? 
it did go away. But you should not know because you ended up having the same infection five years later. (laughs) (laughs) Have I had crap? Because I remember you asking me what it was that you had to buy for it. This was years and years later when you lived in that dingy little flat, which was right next to Halls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there was that. that. There was... That flat was my Sarah Jessica Parker Carrie Bradshaw flat. But where was your walk-in wardrobe, babe? The only thing that you had in that flat was a blue bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss that flat, but it was a nice learning experience. In that first year, you kind of feel a bit liberated, so you um you utilise it until... <laughs> Until your uh, your fresh meat smell's gone. <laughs> know what I mean? Um, I didn't have it. I don't, I don't think I had any, anyone back while I was in halls. Well, if I do did, I don't remember them. After halls, yes, as we know. <laughs> yeah, so, and obviously later on, fast forward a few more years, moving down, down here to London town. So how do you think that um, your university experience has shaped you? Left me in debt. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it all of us? Um... Yeah, it was a, it's a funny old thing because I don't know about you, but when I eventually decided to leave Derby, I still left with my student overdraft. So that's when it was, you were supposed to finish your third year, you were then supposed to get a job and then you were supposed to in increments you were supposed to bring it down and obviously when you're 18 not only do you have the excitement of having your student loan and you know occasionally you'd have your attendance bursaries or whatever else it was but then you also had x amount on your overdraft which you also had to play with and because it was all fee free or whatever you call it apr free you'd just be like oh well i've spent i've spent my student loan but I still got three grand in my overdraft. Oh, I just I just borrow into that. Don't worry about it. But yeah, taking taking that into the uh, into the adult world afterwards, and then defaulting on that, and then defaulting on the uh, on the additional charges, and then origin, and then eventually having it taken away. You were <laughs> <laughs> look at my Kim. Look at my. <laughs> I don't know. Next segment. <laughs> How um, do you think university shaped you as an adult, Gareth? Uh, it's definitely shaped me. De- I'm definitely independent. I think I always was independent, but I didn't realize how independent I was. And I thought, you know, this is fine. I'm an independent person because I can get myself up, get out the house, go where I need to be, and earn my money and come home. But then it wasn't until the university experience where I realised, like, well, actually, now you have to do most things on your own. And then when you move into your first sort of, like, shared house, now you have to do probably, well, you have to do your share of everything on your own. And Which you didn't. No, I definitely did. I definitely did. There was one person that didn't, and they got thrown out by the landlords. Was that the one that did all the weed? I think it's the same one you're thinking of, though, yeah. He didn't do a lot of weed. He did acid. A lot of acid. I do remember so many house parties. And they weren't house parties where you go and everyone's drinking, like what you see on TV when the American kids are, like, drinking out of the red cups that they've got their beer from a keg. And it's just like, yeah, we're just in a, a car park or the forest and or somebody's rich parent's house or whatever. It was just... Mm. 
Gareth, what else were you doing in that forest, darling? <laughs> Everyone would just come round, just sort of like kick back, sit. Oh, no, yeah, he did smoke weed, actually. There was weed and there was acid and they would just try and, I don't know, I didn't really believe it, to be honest. For some stupid reason, I went back to Derby to New Year, watched them do acid. And I thought, why didn't I just spend this time with my family? So it's it's definitely shaped me with my first original um, assumptions of being social or antisocial. It's definitely confirmed that, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't have it so wrong that I, could, I should always rely on myself, whether that's for like entertainment, whether it's for like pay by you, because you know what I mean? It, it definitely taught me to be independent. But at the time I felt I was, and it, it did, it slowly awakened me. But this snake bite is going down a tree. I'm on my third. Oh my God, how many did you buy? I just bought two cans and just been topping the same glass up with the two cans. It's from the one can of beer and then there's a cider. Oh, good God. <laughs> I've tried to keep it half and half. All right, Gareth. So as we've already been over, obviously, living on your own, how did you find that your personal sense of style developed within that first year of living on your own? Oh, my God. A personal sense of style. <laughs> I'm trying to find, like, any kind of identity because let's face it you you did you did have some unusual outfits in university didn't you like what pick one the dungarees oh the dungarees were good i liked those dungarees the orange slouchy beanie that didn't come until the second year no no i i had that czech tweed trilby i don't know if you remember that oh you did like your trilbies didn't you Uh, I did. And we might need to discuss the hair as well. Oh God, we need to discuss the hair. My style. I think it was very much trying to search for some, to be honest. Like, okay, this is a top man. This is all the all the big closed shops that were trendy then and that were available to us easily. Because not everybody had their own computer, not everybody had internet. Um, and we definitely didn't have good internet in our part of the halls we had it but it wasn't great so you know online shopping wasn't a thing at that point for us so yeah it was pretty much just clinging on to something I kind of just thought okay I can live this life as probably Carrie Bradshaw and (laughs) the twisted artist that I am (laughs) buy what I want wear it with what I want and everyone's gonna look at me and be like you know, who's that girl? You know, probably wasn't the case. Everyone was Gareth's like... Gareth's that gal. <laughs> Everyone probably was kind of like that, but not for the same reasons. They were like, what the hell? <laughs> and what about you, babe, with your tight, skinny jeans? I well, just I always found the pink T-shirt. I remember the pink T-shirt now. Carry on. <laughs> I always found that because... Because I was uh, obviously trying to live the emo life, which is obviously just really become a popular thing back then. So grew my hair out, bleached it blonde, dyed it black, bleached it again. It was more so that's where that's that's where the, that's where the jeans came in. 
But then because I was also in the sports realm with the American football team and cheerleading, I also found that I kind of fell into one of two camps. So there was either one where everything was all skin tight, the jeans were skin tight, the tops were skin tight. Yeah. Everything was just that, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm so androgynous because I'm trying to give this little emo fantasy. And then there'd be the other side of me where obviously being with the sports teams, the jeans would be a little baggier, but they'd be they'd be low slung so that you could get to obviously read what was on the back of my knickers. <laughs> Just <laughs> I think it said slut actually, which word wrong. <laughs> but yeah, there it was strange because you go you go through college and obviously that's when you're that's when you don't have to abide by any uniform anymore. So so you go through your first, oh I've got a part-time job, I've got whatever it is let's just say I've got 400 quid in my account each month from a part-time job I can go shopping so yeah. you just you just buy whatever's there but when you're at university you you go through that little stage where you want to reinvent yourself again especially if you if you're in a new city and you're just like this I want people to see me so I always remember going to Nottingham because they had a bigger top shop yeah and <laughs> because because the men's clothes didn't fit me because my legs were too long so I'd always end up going to Nottingham, buy any pair of skinny jeans that they had in Nottingham, <laughs> any pair of skinny jeans that they had in the tool section, and just be like, like that'll do. I'm going to look great. Probably didn't have any business fucking wearing them, but you know, that, <laughs> Eddie Slimane had just released them out for what? What was it, Dior? Or wherever it was in 2006? That, that silhouette, everything had just suddenly become really, uh, really tight to the body in that year so it was just like yeah I like this aesthetic I'm gonna do that but it was literally like everything had been suction packed to my to my body because again I was floating around between trying to be like yeah yeah look at me I'm one I'm one of the blokes yeah I can sit here and drink with the American football team and they're not gonna feel threatened and then again in my own time it'd be like Everything's got to be skin tight. Everything's got to be skin tight because I need them to know I'm tight. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And and yeah, it was a, it was this funny little dual personality where on one side, the bot like the trousers are really baggy, but then on the other side, everything was so tight you you had to kind of baby baby or yourself into them. Shoe on. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Do a run and jump. <laughs> no, it, it, would, it would be back in the day. And obviously when skinny jeans first came in, you'd sit there on the bed. You'd get them, you'd get them up to your knees and then you'd do that thing where you're, you're resting on your back and you've got to thrust yourself into them. <laughs> yeah. And do the little hip jiggle. Stretchy. I remember the stretchier they got. It got a bit easier, but you still find yourself doing the same motion, pulling them on. And it never felt nice when you're like pulling them and you, see, you feel them start to stretch. But then the top comes to, your, to the top of your hip bones and then you fasten it. But the rest of the leg feels like so, in some places it's still stretched because you haven't adjusted them with your leg, like where they need to be, if that makes sense. So, and then you'd have to sit there and make sure that you weren't moose knuckling. <laughs> yes, there was that as well. Well, Gareth, do you think that's all? I think we've said all we need to on this matter for this week. Amazing. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us on our inaugural episode of Gays Like These. 
we will hope that you'll join us for our next segment. If you really enjoyed this episode, please click on subscribe. So from here, we just want to say ta-ra. It's ciao for now from us. And bye for now from me. Please join us next time on Gays Like These. Gays Like These, a tale of two gays in their 30s talking about life so far and what could be yet to come.